0: This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast brought to you by Goldrock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast. My name is Darren Rockman, and I'm a partner at Gold Rock Capital, the 21-year-old multifamily office servicing high-net-worth families in Israel and around the world. Last year, 2020, will be remembered for many things, pandemics, US elections, market crashes, and subsequent recoveries, but here in the Middle East also for the Abraham Accords. And to talk to us about what the Abraham Accords are looking like one year later, I'm uh, welcoming to the podcast Eliyav Benjamin. Hi, Eliyav. Hi,
1: Darren. Good afternoon.
0: Hi, good afternoon. So, Eliyav is the head of the Middle East Bureau at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs um, here uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, after spending uh, many years in the Foreign Service, including four years as counselor for political affairs in washington uh, he is a man very close to uh the implementation of the abraham accords and following uh, all of that so uh welcome uh to the podcast
1: thank you Darren it's a pleasure being here and yes i've been dealing with the, with the region and these relations actually for the past 6 years way before it came out into the open
0: Okay, so you you had the backstory. So the Abraham Accords, signed at the back end of last year, uh, were between Israel and separately the United United Arab Emirates, I should say, Bahrain, uh, Morocco, and Sudan. So tell me a little bit about the story from before the Accords were were signed.
1: So the truth is that the foreign ministry over the past uh, 20 years has been going back and forth with the relations, especially with uh, the countries in the Gulf and Morocco, um, including uh, on the ground meetings, both in the countries and also third uh, third countries. But uh, definitely for the past, and then for the past 10 years, I would say we kind of stepped up the tone and the, uh, intent, uh, the intensity, if you want, of the relations, and even more so over the past two to three years in various aspects. And I would say that the focus was really much more in the past few years it was more in the Gulf, uh, Morocco as well, to an extent, but ma- mainly in the Gulf, um, both on the economic side and um, and business side, but also what we call public diplomacy on reaching out, especially through social networks, targeting the audiences. And I would say, in this regard, kind of preparing the ground for the day for the day that would come. And uh, we can get into this perhaps a bit later. But looking back, it's always easier to look back and say, oh, these are the milestones. That, uh, that we achieved with it, which uh, perhaps also um, signaled where um, the, the direction uh, where we reached and where we are at today.
0: right okay so before we get there what what has been uh, in your mind the, the, the major achievements uh, of these these four agreements? So first and foremost
1: I think that the the mere fact that we've changed the discourse in the middle east and I would say even even globally, um, it's it's a change of paradigm, in, in a way. If uh, you know, everybody's saying, you know, we can't do anything, Israel will not normalize relations, or countries will not normalize relations with Israel until the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is resolved. I think we turn this on its head, um, yeah. not uh, with any intention of uh, disregarding or ignoring the Palestinian issue, not at all, but understanding that the time has come that we can't carry on waiting for the Palestinians to to come out to the table. And everybody in the region, in particular the countries who have formalized relations with Israel, have come to the recognition that um, there is far more to benefit from the relations with Israel than there are at stake of not uh, not, uh, promoting the relations. So I think first and foremost, that is the big change. Right,
0: and you mentioned before social social uh, diplomacy. Um, how has the reaction been to the Accords, particularly on the ground in these countries and, and throughout the Middle East?
1: It's a very good question. And, and the truth is it's not, there isn't one uh, cohesive answer, uh, not even for each country in particular, because we need to understand that, although we're not necessarily talking about um, equal democracies to Israel in uh, with, with their systems, um, there is a public uh, public opinion. There are opposition groups, but um, but with these countries, by and large, there is an overwhelming support um, above fifty percent, which is a lot. Especially when we look at a country like Bahrain, where fifty percent of the local pop- population, or the uh, the um, the, uh, the Bahraini population, not the expats, fifty percent is of is of Shia. Uh, is of Shia. Right. Um and nonetheless, even there it's about 50 percent of support. Hmm. In other places, it's much higher and it's growing over over time, even um within the countries and within the region where we saw perhaps more of uh, of an opposition at the beginning and the signing, we're seeing much more of the support a year and three months afterwards.
0: So you're seeing a, 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 a waning of the opposition, which is obviously great uh, for Israel and for strengthening the Accords. Are you seeing any other negative effects over the last year as a result of these?
1: No, I don't see any negative ref- uh, effects in any way, shape or form, only positive effects in this regard. And the positive effects have also a, rip- uh, a rippling effect on both on the countries themselves, but also on other countries in the region. We're seeing a, a discourse that we have today with uh, Egypt and uh, Jordan, for instance, and even with the Palestinians, which is in a different place than it was a year ago. And a big part of it, I think, we can all attribute also to the uh, to the accords and the and, and this uh, new peace process.
0: Right. The, the the recent agreement between Israel and Jordan, probably being a good example of that. Maybe you want to talk about that.
1: Sure. I think this is a. Um, a great example of where the potential is and how it can be reached on a regional level. When we talk about regional cooperation and, um, and the, the development um, and challenge and dealing with challenges in the Middle East, which are not the, uh, the, the regular challenges that we normally speak about when it comes to security, but this is also strategic. When we come to talk about climate change and dealing with food security, and dealing with water shortage and uh, and energy and clean energy, this is a great example of a trilateral agreement between Israel and the UAE and Jordan, um, with the involvement, of course, of, uh, of the US. Um, dealing with uh, energy and water, uh, clean energy and water. This is something which you know we could we could only have dreamed about perhaps uh, years ago, and now we're actually putting it into uh, into a reality.
0: Right. Um- each of the four agreements has proceeded differently. And obviously, the nature of each of the four countries is different. What Can you sort of talk a little bit in the details about how each one has has played out?
1: Sure. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, start from, I'll start actually from Sudan, which is shorter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: complicated, but shorter than, than Morocco and, uh, and then uh, UAE and Bahrain. I'll start with I'll start with Sudan um, because it's more complicated internally there, um, especially now after the coup, attempted coup, the of the the, uh, the civilian government, reinstatement, and we have to see where where it's going. Um, the uh, the commitment was there. We didn't actually manage to move ahead um, after the signing and after the the agreement was was reached because of internal issues there uh mainly so we need to see how things develop now after the developments uh uh inside in, uh, in sudan so we'll put that perhaps aside now we are working with them quietly on different things but i'm not sure that uh, but this isn't where we intended to be to be frank uh, but the ball is really more in their core than anybody else's okay morocco just to uh um to clarify for uh the people who are, who are watching, Morocco is not officially part of the Abraham Accords. Um, they, and rightly so, say we were here first, which is
0: absolutely <laughs> true. It's true.
1: Um, so it's part of the process. By the way, the signing with them came afterwards. We're actually going to celebrate it on the 22nd of December. Yeah, uh, There will be a year. Um, but it is an upgrade of the relations it's a renewal and an upgrade because because it's full diplomatic relations Um, we've seen very senior visits that have taken place and more senior visits to come Um, there is a lot to be working on and that we are working on on the economic front Um, there is a huge amount of interest from their side on cooperation in fields of uh uh, energy and water and uh, automobile industry, and also on uh, aviation and even uh, aerospace, which, which are all areas that uh, that we have, I think, uh, uh, things to uh, to work with them on. And, of course, on the cultural side, I don't think that any of us can disregard the Jewish heritage, the Moroccan heritage, and the fact that we have between a million and, and a million and a half uh, Israelis who are of Moroccan descent. Having said that, both for Morocco and for Israel, we do not want to um, um, lay the foundations and base the relationship on, um, on that. The relationship goes far, far beyond. Okay. So, so and what, so about, the, what we, about the Gulf not, states? Uh, yeah. Now we, now moving on to, to the Gulf. Um, and here is well, we need to understand. That, uh, even within the Gulf, different countries, different dynamics, and, uh, and, and different types of relationships. Uh, Bahrain um, which I had the pleasure and uh, privilege to visit quite a number of times and to get to know them over, over the years. One of the huge advantages that they have is, is the size and in this regard the small size. and also that they are also very well organized also on the legal front and I think this is also important for businesses who want to operate there. It's also a one-stop shop in, in many ways um, and everybody knows everybody. It's right. also a great gateway to other places, including, yes, Saudi. Saudi Arabia. Um, and they don't necessarily shy away from it, but I don't want to, to be seen, and they don't want to be seen, and rightly so, as any type of stepping stone right. uh, in this regard. But there is a huge amount of potential which is already being uh, materialized, both in the uh, medical sector, in the water, water sector, uh, two agreements that have already been signed. This has been made public by McCollot with uh, the um, uh, Electricity and Water uh, Association of, uh, of Bahrain, and also between... M- M- um, being Israel's um, national between, water company. Exactly, and also between uh, Shiba Hospital and two very, very prominent medical facilities there. But there is FinTech, I mean, there, there are so many areas to, to cooperate on. That's okay. with, uh, with, Bahrain. That's with yeah. Bahrain. With with UAE, much bigger, much longer story. I'm not sure we have too much time to go into too much into everything, but uh, I'll, I'll take your lead on this. But um, I do want to point out a few things. We've uh, had uh, first of all we've got the expo, uh, which is a huge thing. The Israeli pavilion there. For those who haven't yet visited, I uh, encourage and invite to visit. It's in a prominent location. We've invested. We, the state of Israel, has invested tens of millions of shekels in this pavilion um, with interagency cooperation. We've had to date about, I think, nine uh, ministers who visited the UAE since the beginning of the expo at the beginning of October. It will run until the end of, uh, of March. And I'm saying this not just because the visits are important, but the contents that come in the visits and out of the visits are much more important, apart from the visibility of the of the relationships, we've signed, I think, 17 uh, government-to-government agreements with the UAE. We've got close to 20 more that are in the in the pipeline, and all this is in 15 months. We've had the visit of uh, um, of Yair Lapid there, um, the inauguration there of our embassy in Abu Dhabi, our Consul General in Dubai as he has also visited Bahrain and Morocco and inaugurated the embassies there. So we, by and large, the, the trajectory is hugely positive. We're talking about um, in trade uh, trade volume, 15 months. Just take this, I'm saying this again, 15 months. We're already at $2, million, $2 billion of trade. Um, $2
0: billion of trade.
1: $2 billion, more or less, give or take. We're talking about um, investments. Uh, the most famous one is Mubadala, um, uh, which uh, acquired Delek's share in uh, I think it was uh, Tamar. Tamar, yes, uh, at one point one or one point two billion, um, and over about three hundred thousand Israelis who visited there over over the past year. It's uh, it's quite phenomenal, actually.
0: So, w- with all of that, um, how do you measure? Well, let, let's talk about something slightly different. Um, I'm going to uh, cut that question. So uh, with all of that, in which direction is the trade flowing? Are we seeing uh, Israeli, Israel exporting to the United Arab Emirates, or is it coming the other way? And what types of goods and services are we seeing um, along that export route?
1: Okay, it, it's, a, it's a very good uh, question, Darren. And, and the truth is it's more or less equal. Um, within the sum that I mentioned, to be fair, a lot of it is actually diamonds,
0: Okay.
1: Um, which did happen also before. There was a very good cooperation going on between the Israeli diamond exchange and the Dubai diamond exchange and um, cooperation to the level of even assisting in some way, shape or form and actually forming the, the diamond exchange there. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's in um, uh also on, on uh, logistics, um, Jabal Ali port is a huge hub for the region and uh, towards Asia, which cuts a lot of costs for Israeli companies and allows opportunities for re-export, repackaging mm-hmm. and re-export, which is mm-hmm. also important. And then of course there's the whole area of the, the whole uh, world, if you want of, um, of high tech, which is uh, you know huge terms as we all know. Um, which is, is in different sectors. I mean, even agriculture areas that we're dealing with them. Some of them, yes, is low tech, but a lot of it is also the the high the high end of uh, of cooperation. We're seeing investments in Israeli uh, in Israeli companies, and we're seeing Israeli companies both in the agricultural sector, but also in the high tech, and also VCs that are opening shop in uh, in Abu Dhabi and uh, and Dubai mainly. Um, understanding that they have to have you know presence on the on the ground. And, and of course there's also the tourism uh which uh which is interesting because we're seeing Israeli hotels that are looking at not only getting Emirati investments here but actually opening something and operating uh operating things uh, in uh, in the UAE.
0: In the UAE. Okay. Now you know any anybody that's uh visited um uh the, the UAE has come back. Uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say that question again. There's been a lot of excitement by people who have gone to visit, and obviously Expo has been a big, big attraction. And I think overall in Israel, uh, the, the feeling that this has been. A game changer uh, has been palpable. Is it felt? Is it viewed in the same way from the other side? Do do decision makers and business people on the other side of the table have the same level of optimism and excitement that you have and, and that we've seen generally throughout Israel? Um,
1: the answer, uh, in large, is yes. Uh, I'll put a but to it, um, and the the but is. If the first year can be uh, defined or described as a honeymoon, um, like any relationship, I think we're now in the uh, at the stage of okay, reality has sunk in. Um, yeah. All kinds of um, business opportunities that people tried to promote, kind of the the uh, let's let's put it this way, the serious ones are there. Right. Um, and 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 it's just natural. Look, I, I spent four years in my in the past in Shanghai and and i see similarities in this regard where everybody wants a piece of the pie at the beginning um but then they understand that it involves investment investment of time investment of resources investment of money and um and it's a strategic decision to work with uh, with UAE. it's not just another market or another partner you have to build the relationships it's a long-term thing Um, and it it goes it goes also vice versa there is a huge level and still is, and I think the uh, and it's our job also to, to make sure that it continues. Ours on a government level, but I think also family offices, private sector, um, and and everybody else to, to make sure that it continues. The the level of enthusiasm by showing the um, the potential, but beyond just the potential of the fruits of this uh, of this relationship, the economic side and the economic um, uh, element in the relationship. Is hugely is is a it's it's a um, it's central maybe to the to the relationship to both countries, and it's important not just to to show the fruits of it to uh, on the you know at the end of the quarter for the companies, but for the people on the ground to uh, to actually be able to uh, to benefit from it. This and, is important.
0: And, and are we seeing any sort of common mistakes that Israelis are making as they're approaching doing business, particularly with the UAE?
1: Um, should I start with, oh, I know everything and um, let's, let's, oh. uh, let's make a deal?
0: <laughs> Isn't that in our national DNA?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, let's put it this way. Um, Israelis who want to operate there should do their homework, uh, first and foremost. Um, and Israelis who want to operate there should understand that it's first and foremost about building a relationship and building trust. And then comes the business. Um, so I think I answered in a different way, but I think you get the gist.
0: Okay, very good. So if you now, you know, we're we're, we're a year in, and obviously it's been so far from everything you've described as huge success. How do you? And, and this has been the honeymoon period. Uh, what, what does? 2022 look like and and maybe what does 2023 look like what what are we going to see more shebas are we going to see more delic drilling uh um, type transactions are going to see you know more de- more deals like israel aerospace that have got into security and technology cooperation are we going to see more of this or do you are you expecting other things
1: so time is normally a time you know we talk about miracles um so the miracle happened in a way uh, 15 months ago but we're still kind of li- li- living off it in a way um but it's not just a, not just a miracle I and mean, it really is a time to to look uh, at the the past year and the year the year to come and perhaps uh, uh, also 2023 we are actually working um in quite a phenomenal way uh on the governmental level as an interagency uh, joint effort. To look at this, which is something which we haven't always known to do in the past, uh, which we're happy to uh, to lead as, as the foreign ministry, getting all the government agencies and ministries on board um, to build the roadmap together, and we're building it actually together with the Emirates um, on all levels, on strategic and security, on culture, but yes, absolutely so much on uh, uh, on business and uh, and economy. And as I said earlier, I mean, if the first year was the year of the honeymoon, huge expectations. So on the one hand, the huge expectations are still there. But I think reality is also kind of uh, sinking in on both sides, understanding you know, where, where we are. I think it's on all of us um, to, to make sure that the momentum continues. Um, the UAE is not just another country. It's not just another market. It's not just another partner. Um, it's much more than that. And it's on all of us to, to make sure that we continue this. And a big part of it is seeing how we can make this cooperation really happen. It's not just making a, a business transaction of me selling or them buying with the other way around. And it's not necessarily what they're interested in. It's true that they talk about, and I like this term, you're the startup nation, we're the scale-up nation. Let's work together. But it's in a way it goes far beyond in the the uh the agreement and the project that we have, uh, the trilateral with with Jordan and with Mazdaw is a is a prime example for this. These are things that we're looking at because this is also it goes beyond just the two countries. It's it's a message to the region and beyond the message because it, I we, I do believe that it has real impact. But the, I, the the way to go about this is to find the right niche technologies, niche companies, and the right, and sometimes the wholesale solution to work with the with our Emirati counterparts on.
0: Interesting. Um, you mentioned before uh, Bahrain and obviously the relationship there with Saudi. Um, are, are we, as a, as a or are you as the foreign ministry, working on expanding the Abraham Accords? Are there possibilities? Are we likely to see the uh, new changes or new agreements over the coming few years? No. As we've been
1: working over the past twenty years on developing these relations,
0: oh, well, you know, we, 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 we didn't. We didn't notice. We all thought this happened overnight, out of nowhere, right? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, by the way, this is one of the big differences, and I think one, the, one of the huge um, um, good things that um, that this uh, these agreements show that we built it in a way as a bottom-up approach. We build the foundations. And this is what we're actually working on, I would say, with nearly every country in uh, the what we call the MENA region, Me- Middle East and North Africa. Um, working on the foundations, working on building things I'm going to disappoint you and I will not say, you know, who's the next one in line. Okay. Um, but not just I did, because of your I didn't audience. Expect, of you. I didn't expect Nothing this was
0: going to be the uh the place where that was announced, but that's okay. Right.
1: Um but but I will say that at the end of the day, it depends on the countries themselves. And each country has its own dynamics, its own considerations, um, and its own timing. Um, but we are working on on everything, but it is important for us to be able to show the success stories. Uh, And the success of the relationships and the benefit of the relationships with the countries that we have already formed relations with, because this, we believe, will also bring others uh, on board. Right.
0: Well, there's one name that we didn't mention so far on the podcast, and I'm not going to allow uh, um, the uh, episode to end without it, which is Iran, um, which obviously sits uh, on the other side of the ledger uh, when you think about these agreements and the dynamic that's allowed it. Um, uh, Has the... Uh, ongoing uh, difficulty and the, uh, the the attempt once again by uh, Europe and the United States uh, to enter into an agreement with Iran is that a still an important factor in the relationship that we have with the countries, particularly in the Gulf, and and, and you know how how does that dynamic look uh, as we look into next year and beyond?
1: So I think with all these countries, and especially you know the countries with whom we have uh, form, form formalized these relations we see eye to eye on the dangers um, and the threats that uh, that come from uh, from Iran. I'd say there's no daylight on the way that we see the the threats. Um, it is true that um, each of us see things see put a focus on different elements of the threats. For them, Iran is a direct neighbor. Yes So the nuclear issue goes over their head in a way. They're much more concerned, if you want, of direct missiles, um direct intervention in what goes on in their in their countries and so on. But the threat is, is there. We talk to them about everything. Um, we talk to the Americans about everything. Um, and we you know we're all uh, concerned of where Iran is going and uh, how Iran is playing with uh, playing with the world. in this regard, I propose the uh, resumption of uh, of the talks. We'll have to see how it uh, how it plays uh, how it plays out, but there is definitely, um, a level of cooperation and i would dare say that that's also part of the uh, the incentive of all of us to enter into these relationships amongst other things um that we that we talk about both regionally and uh, bilaterally of course
0: okay well uh Eliab benjamin from the uh, ministry of foreign affairs uh, of israel in jerusalem thank you very very much for that overview uh, a year on into the Abraham Accords and of course into the agreement with Morocco which is not part of the Abraham Accords something that we all should remember so thanks very very much indeed.
1: Thank you thank you Darren.
0: Okay and um, everybody thanks for watching and look out for more episodes uh, of the Definitely Uncertain podcast coming soon your way Uh, thank you very much again bye-bye.